What is up, rich friends? Welcome back to another episode of Net Worth and Chill with me, your host, Vivian Tu, aka your rich BFF and your favorite Wall Street girly. So to state the obvious, I create content for a living. If you're listening to this podcast or watching this on YouTube, you likely found it because you've seen some of my other videos on Instagram or TikTok. And even though I love my job, I didn't realize just how popular being a creator had become. In fact, Influencer is now one of the most desired career paths for both children and adults. A morning consult poll found that 54% of Americans aged 13 to 38 would become an influencer if given the chance while a Harris Poll study of 3,000 kids found that in both the U.S. and the U.K., if choosing between a teacher, a professional athlete, a musician, an astronaut, or a YouTuber, nearly 30% ranked YouTuber as their top choice. It's crazy. And what's so crazy to me is that even people going to college, studying for a degree, and taking on student debt oftentimes can find success on social media and completely pivot their career paths. So I thought today we could talk about student debt how to build your own brand, and getting paid in the creator economy. And there's nobody better to have this conversation with than the only living girl in New York City, a now Los Angeles fashion icon and digital business founder. Everyone, please welcome Victoria Paris. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. I'm so happy that you're here. I've told you many times now that I am number one Victorian. I'm a huge stan. And I've been following you since your early days of making content in that one room. You're one. <laughs> One dorm. <laughs> My one bed flex that I had a roommate with that I built a wall for. Yeah. And for those of us who don't watch your every move in detail, can you talk to me a little bit about how you grew up? What was your life like before you became Victoria Paris on the internet? For sure. So I was born and raised in New Jersey in Bergen County. Uh, My parents were working in finance. They met working at Merrill Lynch. They were actually, they weren't doing like finance like IB. They were like doing some like coding stuff. And then my mom got pregnant. They moved to New Jersey, had a kid, my brother, and then they had me. My dad stayed working, hated working in finance, hated working for like a big bank. And um, he left and started his own business. Uh, It was like an electronics repair shop in New Jersey. And we were raised there until I was 10. And my brother was 12 and moved to North Carolina where my dad originally was from. I grew up in like Chapel Hill and lived a pretty normal life. Public school, summer camp, typical like America shit. (laughs) And then I uh, graduated high school. I went to college at Indiana University for a year hated it. Thought I wanted to be a sorority girl. I can't even see that for you (laughs) at all. Yeah, neither can I. Um, (laughs) And neither could they because I got dropped from every house when I rushed. (laughs) And so I transferred to school in New York City. I went to the new school for three years. Yeah. And that's what led me here. Growing up, would you say that you felt like your family had very little money, like middle American, middle class, or like you were more well off? Definitely more well off. I think that I was just talking. I was literally just talking to my ex about this and I was like you still talk to your ex of course who doesn't (laughs) not me (laughs) (laughs) right you're in a healthy relationship that's fine um I was saying like it's so crazy because you become successful and you kind of want your story to be a little harder than it is and I think that leads to like false expectations for other people and like we never worried about like food being on the table or a roof over our heads so that is pretty much 
being rich. Totally. I think that's super fair. And you mentioned you went to school in New York City after Indiana. Where did you go? And, you know, how, how did you pay for that? I went to the new school. So it's right. called, the, called the new school. That's where like Parsons and Eugene Lang is. I was in Eugene Lang. My parents were paying for the bulk of my, I had a scholarship and then they're paying for a portion of my tuition. And then I was taking out loans for the other portion of it because we were well off, but we weren't well enough enough for them to be paying for everything. They paid my rent during the school year and I paid my rent during the summer in the city because they were like, we're not paying for you to just stick around. You need to have yeah. a job and work. And um, yeah. When you had kind of made that decision, did you know how much debt you were going to eventually have? And if you're comfortable, can you share that number? For sure. I was going to have around 20 grand in debt. And I, if I wanted to change my major, which I originally wanted to do, my parents were like, you're going to have to pay for like that yourself. And that would have taken another year of school and it would have been more debt. So I decided not to um, just because that debt is scary. My brother had taken out loans too. And my brother's very smart and he didn't feel stressed by it. So I didn't feel as stressed. Yeah. What were your plans on paying that debt back? Like initially, obviously before the for big sure. social media um, stuff. <laughs> I didn't have any plans. I just had vibes. There was not a thought in my mind. No, I had always been able to make money. That was something that wasn't a problem with me my whole life. I, my parents didn't give me any money like that growing up. And so I was like nannying. I was working at a flower shop. I was a hostess. I was a camp counselor. I always had like a grand, a grand or two yeah. in flux. And I was always paying for like my own stuff, like gas and food and whatever. But... Yeah, it did weigh on me at points, especially during the pandemic when like everybody was losing their job. I lost my job and I didn't know what was going to happen. What were you doing uh, during before the pandemic? Hit? I was working at a fintech startup and I was getting paid like a little bit of minimum wage, but I was planning on working there full time after college. And then that startup actually like went under. And yeah, that's tough. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. So in terms of that debt, I know you had mentioned like being a hustler, getting money here and there. You said no plan, just vibes. But in terms of paying that debt back, like were you thinking like, oh, this is something that I'm going to have for the rest of my life that I'm going to like, you know, just pay the minimum on? Or is it something that you were like, I want to get rid of this as soon as humanly possible? No, because when I like applied myself, like when I was working for myself over the summer, like I could buy like a few like $500 purses and flip them for like $750, $1,000. So okay. Like, I thought you yeah. were going to say you were buying the purses, but you were flipping. Them. No, I was like flipping clothes. I was like a glorified Depop reseller over the yeah. summer when I was in college. And then I was nannying for like $25 an hour, like three days a week. And then I was just getting money. Like it was 20 grand. It seemed like a ton. Obviously for a lot of people that's a make or break, but yeah. I constantly was putting in perspective that I knew people who were 200 grand and, uh, totally. and like stuff like that. So I felt very lucky that I only had that amount. And also during the pandemic, when I lost my job, I was getting unemployment and all of a sudden unemployment was the exact amount of my debt. So I was like, oh, I'm net neutral. Like I'm nice. or whatever. I'm like even. So when I graduated college, I, I technically like had all that money from unemployment that was my loan. So I wasn't too concerned to start content creation because I had one brand deals and two, I was starting at even. Yeah. And what was the biggest ticket 
item or the most money you made flipping something and what was the item? Oh my gosh. I don't know. I definitely made like, I would, oh my God, I bought this Prada backpack for like 250. I think I flipped it for like uh, 1500, two, two grand. What? Yeah. And it was just like being in the New York scene and knowing what was in style. Yeah. And then also like I was, it was all about taking pictures too. Like Depop is all about pictures and thumbnails and whatever. And I would spend like hours a day, like taking pictures, editing, like lighting and making them look perfect. Just And a lot of my pictures, even before, like when I was a normal person on social media, a lot of my pictures went viral on Pinterest because people loved like the pictures I was taking of clothing. Oh, on my body. vibes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Yeah. Nice. And obviously then you had this major shift in your life. Can you talk to me a little bit about how that was? I read a few pieces about you that you were like really deeply thinking about social media. Like, what do you think that secret sauce was? I think that the secret sauce was consistency. Like I was deeply thinking about social media because I had nothing else to do. Like I was sitting in the pandemic. I'd lost my job. I was like, I can use social media like to revive my Depop because at that point I was doing it every year in college, but every year it was getting, Depop was getting more and more diluted. Less people were buying stuff online. I think because we were in a pandemic, they weren't going out and like buying new clothes. And so I was like, I should make, I I should return to social media because at the time I was off the grid. Why did you initially decide to go off the grid? I was living in New York during like the peak of like Black Lives Matter and like also COVID. And it was a very like scary time to see like what people were posting in other parts of the world. Like seeing Mm -hmm. people I knew in North Carolina, just how polarizing it got and how like I was like, whoa, like I want to be on the right side of everything. I was showing up to protests. I was like, just the way people were utilizing social media during Black Lives Matter was very polarizing. And I did not want to like consume the other side. Mm -hmm. And I, as much as I went through and tried to unfollow everybody, it was just a scary time. Like people who did not align with my views. Um, It was still a scary time to be online. And I was just like, the best I can do in this moment is show up to like protests and rallies and like do my part in New York. And yeah, I just got offline. So you get back on TikTok. Yeah. Or I guess you get back on social media. Yeah, I got back on like Snapchat first and Instagram. (laughs) Then I got TikTok. And yeah, it was the world was starting to reopen a little bit. Things were starting to feel back to normal. Um, New York was still weird. And then I was like, yeah, I'll utilize this as a way to do something. Either like do Depop or leverage it for a marketing job because it took off so fast. I was like, this could definitely just be a tool plus one on anything. So it really wasn't even to become this big creator. No, like you literally were like, I'm trying to sell my clothes. (laughs) <laughs> no, yeah. Or I was like, I'll work at a marketing company or something that I never thought of myself. I never wanted to be an influencer or a content creator. It was just something that happened. It made more sense for me to do this full time. It was more lucrative than work at a nine to five. Totally. A hundred percent. Do you remember what was your first video that you were like, oh, this is going viral? Every video was like 50,000 views, 100,000 yeah. views, 50,000 views, 100, 150, half a million, two million. Yeah. It was never like it's faltered. It was just pretty like, oh, I was like, whoa, this is crazy. Like I went from like getting a hundred likes on my Instagram post and like 50 story views my whole life to like all of a sudden it just like floodgates opened. And you said you talk a little bit about consistency. How much content were you creating? In the beginning, I was making like 20 to 30 videos a day because I was so bored. And I was just sitting in my apartment wait, with like wait, nothing wait, to do. Wait, wait, wait. 20 to 30? Yeah. For the first like six months, I was making like 20, 20 to 30 videos a day, I would say probably. How? Like how? Like what? Oh my gosh. I was just bored. I was just sitting in my room with nothing. I would film everything. I'd wake up, film my coffee, film my outfit, go to the grocery store, film what I was eating, film what I bought, film me on the street, film like a little witty piece. Like I was just filming everything. And then just that constantly being on people's for you pages like that really shot to your massive growth yeah for sure I got like a million followers in like six months in those six months that was when the bulk of my audience was grown 
Do you think that that type of growth is still possible now? Um, I think that we see it in like little case studies, yeah. like with like Alex Earl totally. and like Kristen Titus. I think that it's much harder than ever because I think the actual app has less eyes on it 24 hours a day mm. than compared to the pandemic. I started the tail end of the pandemic when people were starting to go outside again and travel again. People who started three years, so I started two years ago. People who started three or four years ago have like much larger audiences. I wouldn't attribute like the change in time to like my lack of growth. It would more so be like, I produce less, I feel less pressure, and I'm more interested in like slow, steady growth than like blowing up overnight. That seems so fucking scary. Again, because it was scary when it happened the first time. And, you know, with this big creator follow them. Obviously, I've seen you work with some incredible brands. You've done some incredible work. It feels like it's really likely that overnight, it almost feels like you made a ton of money. Did you know what to do with it? Well, um, I made my first 150 grand and I was like, okay, that's like a full, that's like two years of salary at any like normal job mm -hmm. in college. And I, I don't remember how long that took. I think in that first six months when I was by myself, I didn't start accepting brand deals till I had 800,000 followers. I was going to wait till I had a million. Why, why did you decide to do that? Because I thought it would dilute my content and like lessen the trust and value between me and my relationship with my audience. I didn't want to seem like a sellout. And so I was like, when I hit a million followers, when I'll do a brand deal. But then I realized people were getting like 20 grand for a video. And I was like, ooh, that's like <laughs> my student loans. It put everything in yeah. perspective. One video could be my student loans. And so I started doing brand deals, made my first 150 grand, I think in like two months. I think in two months, yeah. And that was so that a lot of work? No. It was just like uh I was charging like like twenty grand of fifteen, twenty, ten grand a video. I was just mm -hmm. like throwing numbers out there and whoever did it. And I was making 20 to 30 videos a day. So I could technically put out like one ad a day easily yeah. and nobody would notice. Yeah. It wouldn't dilute my content. But when I did that, I was like, oh shit, I need help. Like I need, I need to do more. And I, I saved all of it because I was always petrified of taxes. I didn't touch any of it. And then I I love that about you. Yeah. Oh, well, <laughs> I mean, tax, my dad just like hammered that into me. But then I was like, I need to get a manager. I need somebody to help because it was so many. I had like 10 to 20 active deals at all times. Mm -hmm. Like just conversations, like negotiating. I was trying to read contracts myself at 20, 20 years old, 21 years yeah, old. Yeah, and you're still in you're still in college at this point. Yeah, I was so in you're college, like yeah. Going to classes during the day. And I was like, on Zoom and filming videos oh, right, in yeah. Zoom and reading emails no. and like having <laughs> phone calls. And I almost failed out of college. I just stopped like going and I stopped focusing. And I was in my last semester and I was like, there's so much money to be made. Yeah. Um I Apparently I graduated. I don't know. I didn't show up. I got tagged in a video where they announced my name and then they like <laughs> sent out my certificate or my diploma. But yeah, when I made that money, like it was like 150 grand in like two months, three, I would say two months because the first four months I wasn't focusing on making money. Um, I wasn't even trying. But and then I got a manager and then mm -hmm. I was like, let's double that. Then I was like, let's double that. Let's double that. So that's amazing. And I love that you kind of got to a point where you were like, I need to have this team. What do you think? And I don't know at this point, but like, how have you built your team out? And like, what are they able to help you with? So I started with, okay, so when I made that like first 150 grand and I was graduating college, I was like, I need to do this full time because it's making way more money than anything else ever would. I was like, but I need help. I can't like negotiate all these deals. I don't know how to do taxes like that. I don't have a lawyer. I don't have anything. And so I started meeting up with other creators and I was like, who are the big players in Hollywood? Because I didn't even know an influencer at that time. I was like, oh, nobody from North Carolina. And people are like, the big three are like UTA, CAA, and WME. And I was like, cool. And I go through my inbox and I search UTA. I email them back and I'm like, 
like, I'm ready to sign with somebody, fly me out. And I search up CAA. And I'm like, cool, somebody from CAA. And I send them the same email. <laughs> I search up WME. And I'm like, cool, somebody from WME sent the same email. And I It sent- must feel so nice to be wanted. <laughs> right. <laughs> I had never heard of these places before. And I'm like, oh, this is who you need to be with for an agent, for yeah. an agent. And so I just went and I sent out these emails because I was like, I'm drowning. I'm about to graduate college and I'm drowning. I need help. I'm I'm signed with WME. Are you signed with one of those agencies? Yeah, I just went to WME, like literally a month ago. We love, we love yeah. keeping it in the family. Right, okay. right, right, right. Cool. And I was like, it was like 6 a.m. when I sent out this email. I was on the way to volunteering because I did like this volunteering thing. And somebody responded with five minutes on Shane with CAA. It was my manager, Kai. And he goes, great. I would love to see you next week or whatever. And he like made it happen and got me out to LA. I met with him and somebody at CAA decided that going with an agent at that time wasn't the best course of action. I really just felt like he was competent enough and I could just have a manager. Mm-hmm. But he had initially emailed me. So he is at Range Media. Where my manager is. Yeah. It's so funny that we yeah. are literally repped at every same shop. I know, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so he he had got, he, CAA had emailed me by itself and then he was like, okay, CAA email with me to try to get her to respond and it was just chance like who had ever responded and wanted me out there I was just gonna go and I went and the fact that he responded with him five minutes at 6 a.m like it was like west coast time 6 a.m yeah you're like this guy's a hustler oh my god he's such a hustler I love him and yeah I went out there and I met with um signed with a manager we started work he was like helping with deal flow negotiations and it was just so much and he was like at one point it got too much for him where he's like you need an agent Mm. and then we started re-picking up conversations with agents again um I realized that like signing with a big three I would still I still felt bottom of the stack I needed to like make myself more a priority so I went to a3 which is a more boutique agency and I had a great year with them we killed but I just felt like I, again, needed something larger, again, to build out the team even more. So we moved to WME. Certainly. I think the way that you've built your team is so smart because I definitely see a lot of creators who are a little blinded by the the starlight and they're like, well, I need everything all at once. And it's like your business doesn't necessarily necessitate that yet. And like you want to get to the point where like you literally can't do it by yourself and then your manager literally can't do it by themselves. And then like you keep building out that way. I also hate like the sliding scales and percentages. Like a lot of times these a lot of kids will go to a manager and they start at 20 percent of your income. They'll move it down to 10 if you get an agent and then the agent gets the other 10. And I'm like, no, I want my manager to take 10 from the start and not anymore. And I was also meeting with I had also soft met with other managers at that point. Everybody was like 20 percent, five year contract. And I'm like, I'm not signing shit. Mm -mm. I still haven't signed shit. Mm -mm. And I refuse to sign shit. (laughs) Like, please go fuck yourself. Um, Like it's verbal. It's always verbal. It's always we're together until we're not. You should trust me. And if we're doing good work together, we'll stay doing good work together. That's awesome. And totally how my team was set up. Pivoting, you mentioned $150,000. You made that in two months. You put it all, did you put all of it into savings? Did you chat with your parents or an accountant? Like, no, I just sat with it in my PayPal and no, then in my oh, Wells Victoria, Fargo. Please. I still don't have my money working for me. And I'll say that. Like, I still just, yeah. my money just sits there. I still am like, what do I want to do with it? Obviously, like, max max out like the, the, the Roth IRA and whatever. And like the, all the, I still don't make my money work for me. And I know that. And I just let it sit and I stare at it and I refresh it sometimes. <laughs> and then I think about it and then I see the government take it. No. And yeah, I mean, like I like, and one thing about me is I'm frugal and I'll save and whatever, but I'm, I would be the first to admit, like, I'm very like, I got my business manager. I need a wealth manager. I need to focus more on growing my money and like figure out a few projects to make it work for me in the long term. But it has honestly has not been a priority for me. Why do you think that is? Just because you're making enough of it that you feel like you don't necessarily need to invest? I'm like, I, I don't know. Honestly, like it's, it's, it's again, like I'm, it's hard to like talk to to your parents about things when it's like 
what, what they don't I, get it yeah. yeah but also my dad's like a super smart competent man who's made good money for himself but it's not like on this scale and then whenever I talk to anybody else it's just like I feel like I don't know like it's my thing is is actually how much money am I looking at making yeah and is it worth the stress of like doing it right now like would I would I save all my money and invest it into one big project that I really believe in I don't know would I invest I into would not real recommend estate? Doing that. yeah no <laughs> exactly would I invest in real estate no like I've done it in my own way which is like buying these pieces like the couch and all these things are like investments into my like life and I think they will accrue value in time it's just not a black and white investment for a lot of people I think that makes a lot of sense and you, we were talking about brand deals. You uh, had this video that I was obsessed with. Can you talk me through how you figured out how to price yourself before the manager, before the agent? Like, how were you doing this yourself? So I had like a lot of people reach out in the beginning wanting to do work together. And I was like, eh, well, how much money do you want? And they're like $500, $800. And I'm like, okay, well, I'll take over your Instagram story for 500 bucks. Sure. Like for like whatever. Yeah. And then I started becoming friends with these people at the brands. And I'm like, how much is everybody charging? And they're like, oh, like 15, 20 grand, like at your size. And I was like, no fucking way. So I went back to this company and I'm like, hey, blah, blah, blah is paying me like 10 or 15. Can you pay me 10 or 15? And they're like, yeah, I got you. And it was like easy. <laughs> and I was like, oh shit, this is crazy. And so I started just like pitching these crazy high rates by myself like literally with my most people tell you when you first start out and you're working by yourself create like a fake email and a fake name yeah and negotiate as a third party I think it's even even scarier to have be negotiating yourself to them know me and I'm on the other side of the email and I'm like sending this it says sent from iPhone and I'm like yeah. can you do 20 <laughs> can you do 30 like like that and so it just took off it went from like $500 Instagram story takeoffs takeovers to like 10 grand for a video to like 15 grand to 20 grand and it was just like these like me just trying out new things yeah. Can we talk a little bit about your motto of you better be fucking bluffing? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. You have to like like because when I was originally like pitching these crazy ass rates, it's not like I'm an agent with it's like at WME. Like yeah. I'm a girl on the other side of the phone. and They know I am. And I'm like, well, well, Nike and free people and, and Under Armour paid me this. So match that rate. So I would say that I would not those brands specifically, but I would lie. And I would say like, hey, these previous brand deals I did paid me this amount. I'm not in place like except less than that. That's just the precedent. And people would believe that because who are they to ask like hey can you send me like a, a uh, the contract right, I want right. to corroborate this like they're not going to like bluff yeah yeah and they're not going to call your bluff because they literally can't because I'm in an I can't the contract's like it's private between it's us private, like, yeah. yeah um I think that's great advice for people who are trying to build their own businesses but even just like corporate employees like when you are jumping from job to job like you can't just they're not they can't legally ask you what you made at your last place so <laughs> Again, you better be fucking bluffing. Yeah, I also think like as a woman, you especially have to be fucking bluffing, especially if like, I don't know, like it's just there's there's a wage gap and there's like disparities and like you have to like oversell yourself to get to get what you deserve, to be mm -hmm. met in the middle at where what you deserve. Yeah, talk to me about that. Like being a young woman in this industry, not coming from like a Hollywood family and not having those connections, like what are challenges that you feel like you have had to overcome? M maybe just like even mentally, like that mental block like that has helped you build your business I would say one of them is investing like obviously I'm not doing yeah. that right now and that's like a huge thing we'll it's work also, on that guys yeah, thank you so much <laughs> it's also like knowing like like you said like everybody wants to build out their team immediately and you're just giving away percentages left yeah. and right and like you're just signing contracts and like putting people on retainer that will stay on it and maybe not work their due like it's just that's the the scariest part is like actually not knowing anybody is doing this and not knowing if you're making the right move yeah and it's like I can't go to the other 23 year old I 
know who does this and makes the same amount of money and ask them advice because there's very few. Yeah. There are a ton of creators who make who are smaller than me that make more than me, who are the same size as me, make less than me. Like it is, there is no like. Yeah. And I've met people who make way make way more. Like it's just, but yeah, it's just the way you structure your business is so different with every single person. Totally. That's kind of the point of being your own boss. Yeah. Right. Do you like that by the way? Um, I think coming from a dad who was like an entrepreneur, it's like ingrained in me. I constantly don't feel like I'm doing enough though. And then I constantly feel like all my pitfalls are personal. They all come from me. Wait, explain that. Like the reason why the business isn't bigger because of me is because of me. Like the reason why I don't have more more followers is because of me. Like if I applied myself, if I educated myself more, if I worked harder, it would always be bigger and better and I like beat myself up all the time, but I'm again, I'm like 23 years old. Like, please, yeah. you're doing great. Like, chill. You're you're literally crushing it. But I, I totally agree. I think it's really shitty that when you are your own boss, every moment that you spend with your loved ones or just even go out to get lunch, you're like, I could have been making one more piece of content during that time. Or like, I could have been, you know, writing up some sort of pitch for a brand or like, just like anything. I don't feel that way anymore. I used to. Um, I feel like I had led 20 to 21 years of life to make those like 20 to three videos for six months straight. Like I never ran out of things to talk about. But then I got to this point where I'm like, well, you're all caught up on why I am the way I am and who I am and what I'm doing. I need to live some more life. I need to go to those lunches and like make these stories. And like, I felt a lot less pressure to like record constantly more so live a meaningful and impactful life to to communicate it later, to make videos about it, to be inspired. Do you think a big part of that is why you moved to LA? Yeah, I think that like the bit was done. The bit is dead. (laughs) Like, like, please, how, like how, the only, living girl and you can only be the only living girl in New York City for so long like I needed uh, something new I needed to change and there was so it was so oversaturated I will say this like I literally think like TikTok in New York has become very oversaturated and corny but nothing beats a day in my life as a New York City influencer like if I were you will never I don't know I might I'm a hypocrite you will never see me be like day in my life as an LA influencer that's so (laughs) but it pushes me to like try something new and I'm like what can you do out here what's different like surfing vlogs and like uh going to get work done because that's so LA I'm like yeah it's just it's just totally different beat here and I feel like when I was in New York I felt like a big fish in a small pond and I want to be a small fish in a big pond because you can eventually work your way up to being the shark right always yeah so speaking of LA I recently fell into a pitfall Mm. that you warned me about what I went to Erewhon oh my god I got two waters a smoothie and a burrito take a guess how much it was 43 dollars $45. Oh my gosh. You're like right on the money. You must've gotten that exact order. But like, I think about it every day, but I wake up, I'm like, please don't spend more than $500 today. (laughs) Please don't for the love of Christ. Who the fuck needs to spend more than $500 today? That's actually ridiculous. Like I don't care how rich you are. If you have like a nice place and a car, you don't need to be spending more than $500 a day. Who do you think is shopping there? Because when I was there in the middle of the day, like, obviously I have a lot of flexibility. I'm a creator. Like I make my own schedule, but like, There were so many people shopping there. And who can afford that? Oh, my gosh. It's just like the concentration of wealth here is unprecedented. I've never driven on a freeway and seen so many G-Wagons in a hundred, like, square foot radius. Like, it's it's <laughs> literally insane. Like, I literally have never seen a G-Wagon in my life until I moved out here. Like, you throw a stone and you're hitting a Porsche. It's either, like, everybody's living paycheck to paycheck and running businesses to just cover their means and live the way they want to, which is how extremely wealthy people, I feel like, live 
a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of people are just the flex, the flex, the a flex. A lot of them are fronting and they don't have a plan for the future. Oh my God. Every single person I know like runs a brand that that like makes enough to, to allow them to live the way they do. That's it. Like that's it's not even like necessarily like a lucrative like multi-million dollar brand. It's like a brand that allows them to like drive a BMW, go to Air One three times a week, have a personal training session one or two days a week and like go on a trip every month. That's it. Which is a lot. That's a lot. Yeah, yeah. Do, do you think that's concerning? It's so concerning. That's like, I think that's gonna like that. That's Yeah, it's really fucking concerning. I find it really interesting that you like being this it girl are actually, from what it sounds like, really frugal. Oh my God. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. I was so frugal. Yeah. It's like everything I wear is like basically free. Mm-hmm. Everything I like, like I, I don't have a problem or a qualm like spending money on food. Right. I think that that's the shit I worked for was like the basic necessities being bougier. Yeah. The other stuff, I still get so fucked up over buying a plane ticket, over like buying a hotel. I'm like, oh, this is so unnecessary. Like, really? Oh my God. Yeah. Like I'm literally like, yeah, I I, yeah, it's really hard for me. I'm like thinking about how much I spend constantly. I, I struggle with a lot of restrictive money mentality. And I'm like, damn, you can always be saving more. I feel like everybody else I know lives less frugally. Yeah. I think that's, that's very LA. It's very like, I don't know. Maybe it's instead of like keeping up with the Joneses, it's very keeping up with the Kardashians. And you see so much on the internet that it's really hard to feel like you can keep up. Like, oh, suddenly like my Honda Accord is not up to the standard of everybody here driving a Tesla. Yeah, but the thing is like the average car in America is like now 50 grand. Like it's fucking crazy. I don't know if that's like the exact right number, but like the price of everything is going up so exorbitantly. Like it really fucks with my head because I'm like, okay, well, if somebody say this is not my circumstance, but if somebody say like says like makes like a hundred grand a month and then you look at an LA as the sample size out of all these people, what is is the average amount that person is spending? I think they're Mm -hmm. spending more than they even have after taxes. Like actually- I mean, like they're running at a deficit. No, 100%. no, yeah. yeah. And that's where I'm like, that's where I'm fucked up because I'm like, oh, well, what's the nice spot? Like, what's the good yeah. spot? What's the normal place to live? Like, yeah, very weird. Because, yeah, very weird. I like every, I know so many creators who are on like payment plans back to the government because they make that first 150 grand, that first like half million dollars, and then they spend it all and they haven't paid their taxes. That's terrifying. Terrifying. Uh, yeah, that scared the shit out of me when I was like, oh my God. You've been audited? That's crazy. (laughs) Yes, I certainly do not want to be audited by the IRS. That literally sounds like my nightmare. It's so common here, though. Yeah. I mean, especially for people who are self-employed or freelancers or like you run your own business, like they want to see them receipts for that, you know, $25 lunch you went to. Who did you take? Like $25 can't even get you lunch here. Yeah. Also, I hope you're not expensing anything under $50, (laughs) please. In LA, like that is, yeah. Yeah. Uh, It's unlikely. So we talk about money, saving money, being thrifty, but what is one thing that if you had infinite money, you would buy? Or just like something that you love spending money on. I saw somebody had an F1 car in their living room and I thought that was cool. Like a decommissioned F1 car, but I don't... Like it wouldn't work. I don't know if it would work. It was just hung up on the wall and that was fucking crazy. That is crazy. (laughs) Like that is some rich people shit. Like having the car (laughs) on display in the house. But like I love land and property and homes. Like that's something I really want. I mean like, but even if that like isn't a reality for me where I can buy a house, I still feel like why would I? I'm 23. Why wouldn't you? Um, Okay, so right now you're renting, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But it's just like the the rent prices get to the point where it's like that's a mortgage payment on a nice house, but then Mm -hmm. you add in all those extra fees and and all the other shit and then it's actually not mm-hmm. it's actually less to rent <laughs> and and then you also have that flexibility which i love because the indecisiveness is 
crazy with me. Do you think you would move anywhere else? That's the thing. I'll say no, and then I will. <laughs> like, I was like, I'll be in New York for life. Yeah. <laughs> New York or That's nowhere. obviously a lie. <laughs> yeah. What's one thing that you have previously spent money on that you're like, that was the biggest mistake of my life? I don't feel that way about, like, anything really. Like, I, I don't know. Like, I got, I don't know. I, I know the thing I want to talk about, but I don't want to talk about it. Wait. You can't say that <laughs> and then like, not talk about it. I'm like... I, <laughs> She's being coy. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Let me think on this one. Hold on. Yeah, yeah. You tell me yours. Things that, that I've spent money yeah, on that, that I you regret. Because the only big ticket price shit I've gotten is my car and then rent. And I don't regret that. Everything else we're talking about, like five grand and under, like, and I'm yeah. like, that's okay. Yeah. It's okay to make mistakes and buy like a really expensive purse that you don't end up using. That's fine. Okay. So I was going to say my biggest regret, my very first bag was a black Safiano leather Prada bag. And I remember having scrimped and saved and like that was blood, sweat and tears money yeah. that I had made on Wall Street sitting at my shitty desk for 14 hours a day showing up to the office at 5.45 a.m. And when I walked into that Prada store and swiped my car, I was like sweating, like pit yeah, stains, yeah. full full sweat. Wait, was the one in Soho? Uh, this was the one, I actually bought it in Chicago, okay. which was like complete idiot sandwich move because yeah. they have even higher taxes yeah, on yeah, products yeah, yeah, than yeah. New York does. But it just felt so good. And my boss at the time, she said, oh, it's a beautiful new bag. Like nothing ever feels as good as your first bag. And I won't say every bag I've bought after that, but certainly I did. But I'm not going to name names because I don't want the brand to be mad. But I bought a bag and it's a beige like wallet on chain like thing. And I have never once used it. Yeah. But I think that's important. It puts things in perspective. Yeah. Like those initial purchases. Like that's where I don't really have regrets. Like if I like, I don't, <laughs> that sounds so horrible to say, but I don't have regrets like under $5,000. Yeah. Like if it was over that, oh she my God. She popping y'all. No, <laughs> no. But that's the thing. Like that's the thing. Like not even like, I constantly think about my student loans. That is like the metric. Like that yeah. is, that was like suffocating to me. That was like life or death. You said it wasn't overwhelming. So you really Yeah, but, but in perspective, like yeah. in those moments, I didn't even realize like that, that, that is like makes or breaks a lot of people's lives totally. and like that's where I try to like put things in perspective like okay I felt fine and whatever but like I was still worried about that constantly yeah but yeah the only really expensive things again I think it's what you think is expensive is the hard thing with yeah. this like the car is so expensive and I'm already having issues with the car so I don't regret it though why why are you having issues with the car is it just like the insurance like no, the maintenance well yeah insurance is crazy because I got arrested in high school and now my insurance is crazy but whatever. <laughs> I remember when Cosmo reported on this bro that was so annoying like what is that <laughs> I was literally 18 and I got like this I got arrested for racing and now my insurance is like 400 bucks a month which is so shitty I think we got it down but the car was like 75 and then after taxes, it was like closer to 85, mm -hmm. which is like market price for that car right now. It's not yeah. a deal. It's not anything. And then I got a bunch of like customizations for free because it was like a little bit above market price. But whatever, whatever, whatever. And the speakers suck. The speakers <laughs> are some bones. Like they're like reverber. They suck. And I've brought it into the shop so many times. And I'm like, whatever. You know what? Maybe I just want to need to spend like $3,000 and have them rip out the speakers, put in whole new ones because they have cheap ass speakers in that car. Really? Yes. They I'm surprised by that yeah you go on a tesla and it sounds great yeah but all these cars all these new cars have issues it's just like what kind of issues are you willing to mm -hmm. like deal with wow okay i i i can't really relate because you know living in the city like i don't Ugh, just really drive girl, city just, girl, just city girl things i, I take the subway i take an uber 
Yeah, that's the thing too. When I was in New York, like I had to like teach myself how to take Uber because I had never, like I lived in New York for like three years before having never taken an Uber like that. I would walk everywhere and take the subway. So then it's like all of a sudden you have money and it's like take a car. And I'm like, whoa. You're like a car? I would also never click Uber Black. Like, please. No, never. But then I now now I'm at LAX and I'm like, Uber Black comes to the yeah, sidewalk yeah, yeah, yeah. and that's worth it. But the Uber, okay, so this is the thing. The Uber X, you literally have to walk to Narnia. Yeah, to it's like, so crazy. Like that is that. LA in a nutshell. Like if you have money, it's a lot easier. Yeah. Like, but you can still survive. Like it's just, it's actually how expansive LA is, is, is ridiculous. And so, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. That's interesting though. You don't click black. No, never. I see. I have so many friends who click black. Well, so it's because I look at, I don't know if you get this. Like, I'm I'm like probably like one of Uber's best customers. So like every so often, if they feel like I haven't used them a lot, they'll send me like a discount code. So then I'll look and be like, oh, like what's the cheapest thing? Sometimes it is black. Sometimes really most of the time it's UberX. Sometimes it's comfort. And I will pick whichever one's the cheapest. I don't care. Okay. Well, that's how, again, like, a lot of like very wealthy people stay wealthy. They're actually smart about all these yeah. little decisions constantly. And then, yeah, that's when you see like a lot of like, yeah, that's crazy. If I can save, you know, 10, 15 bucks on every Uber trip, that's a bag at the end of the year. Or that's just an extra $3,000, $4,000 I put into savings. And that's that purse that you regret or that wallet yeah. you regret. Yeah. yeah. That's so. where it all reaches equilibrium for me where I'm like, is it that deep if you actually are making like the right moves? Yeah. All around. Overall. Yeah. And Talking about your creator dumb, like, you know, where do you think it's going? What's next for Victoria Oh my gosh, Paris? I think the digital space is in such a weird space, like weird spot right now. I think I was just was talk, listening to my friend talk about how Europe is going to make you like opt into ads, I guess, on Instagram or something. You have to wait, click wait, a wait, button. You have to opt into ads. No one's going to opt into ads. Well, if you want to follow your favorite influencers, I feel like you'll have to. Oh. Yeah, like because you're like if you want to press follow on somebody's page, you have to like opt into like I will be consuming ads or like something like that. And some people could say no and turn off that like feature. But the digital space is changing. I think that is super oversaturated right now because like you're saying everybody wants to be a youtuber <laughs> um, that was an alarming statistic oh my god when i read that i was like that was crazy it's the same thing as like when i remember my parents being like be a doctor like yeah. work in computer science and then like everybody did that and they hate it yeah <laughs> um, no i'm just kidding but yeah i think it's like the space is changing i don't know where i'll stand in it i hope i do well hope i come down on top and stay cooking i think you will i really do so I know we're wrapping up, but I'm really curious, like your friends that you made before this whole thing took off, my guess is you make a lot more money than they do. Has that ever been a sore subject? I'm not friends with anybody from before this like that. Really? No. I have like a childhood friend who I catch up with like occasionally, but no, my friends have changed drastically every year because of that. I feel like it's not like something that like holds us back it's just like I'm so like blinders on like yeah. if I don't see you in my daily life we don't work together like it's very hard for me to like maintain relationships I'm bad at that too I feel like I'm not good about texting people being like hey how are you like if I don't see you it's hard right and I've moved I've moved like apartments friends like yeah my life has just changed completely and everybody who's in my life right now is like uh from the past year and then my team is like been like a little longer than that yeah. but yeah that's crazy. And for all those friends that you've made in the past year, like, do you talk about money with them at all? For sure. For sure. I, again, am not friends with a ton of other creators because I feel like it can become competitive. And wait, so who are you friends with if not other creators? Because that's what I would have guessed. My best friend, he runs a brand that he started on TikTok, but he runs his brand and it's becoming way more lucrative than TikTok 
would have been one of my best friends as a model, friends with a creative director. Uh, like all my friends, like I've always been from the business side. I have like one of my longest friends is like runs a consulting, like whatever. Another one of my good friends works at a like a another consulting, like social media <laughs> consulting, whatever. I have friends with a lot of people, like mostly not content creators, I would say. Oh, that's really interesting. And I also like that you are so business first. I don't know if you even remember this because I was like religiously watching your content. Um, you made a video explaining to everyone you were like, creators can make money a bunch of ways. Brand deals, payment from the platforms, podcasts, book, XYZ. And you're like, I'm going to do it all. Oh, yeah. I still want it. That's that's the next for me. I want to be like a renaissance woman. Like I want to yeah. be a speaker. I want to have a book. I want to be invested in multiple businesses. Have, maybe have my own home line. Maybe like like renovate a few rental properties. I want to model. Like I want to make product. Like I probably said that twice now. No. But. I mean, she really wants to make product, guys. I know. I'm like, <laughs> I'm thinking about it. What would it. What would your like dream like line be? Would it be like clothing? Would it be like. I don't know. That's like what I'm chewing on right now. Like I've definitely, again, like one thing about me is I'm not first to strike. <laughs> I, I will sit and I will think about something for a long time. It's just like, yeah, I don't know. I love home stuff. I love workout clothes. I love all that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, oh, I'm going to be on Survivor. <laughs> no. Oh my gosh. I, I wish. We'll see. I feel like you would be. So fun fact, there was a guy from my school who went on Survivor and he was like the villain. Where did you go to school? The University of Chicago. Okay, okay, okay. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I know people who went there. Yeah. Yeah. But Spencer was on Cagayan. Uh. And he was like the villain. <laughs> but everybody like, I love that. I love that. He's, there has he, to be one. Yeah. And he's like, I'm an ultimate chess master. I'm so smart. I'm going to outsmart all these people. Oh my gosh. I wouldn't. I would just be like, do you like me? <laughs> Please don't mow me off. No, right. I'd be like, <laughs> America, keep me safe. <laughs> I need to watch more Survivor. It's been a bit since I watched it, but I want to go on something. Fingers crossed that you got. I would watch. I would certainly watch. And to wrap up our conversation, tell me about your biggest money win. I always like to end on a high note. The best money I ever spent was my apartment in Tribeca. It like cost. Would you consider that your biggest money win though? Like success story? Like yeah. something you're really proud of? Yeah. I would say like it was so risky because I had no tax returns, no proof of anything. And I had a bunch of money in my bank account. And I said to this landlord, like, hey, I'll pay six months up front. Gave him like 36 grand and moved into this place. And the brand deals just were like, like left, right, and yeah. center. It just took me to this next level in my career, like partnering with like Sherman Williams, anthropology furnishing my whole place. Like just that. That was an investment into myself. And that was a huge win that paid off like tenfold. And this was green cabinet place. Yeah. I yeah. Love. I went from living in like that one bed flex, which was like $1,500 a month to like spending like a huge chunk of money to like take my career to what felt like the next level. That's amazing. So we'll, we will be investing in ourselves and taking those calculated risks. Yeah. Maybe like diversifying and whatever. And <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to try. Victoria Paris is officially going to be better with her money after this. We're going to sit down. I'm going to go through all of her financial statements. The best way to be good with your money is to admit how you're bad with your money. I think so. I think that's really true. I think yeah. a lot of us are too shy to talk about our mistakes. And then you're you're like, oh, well, everyone's better than me. It's like, you don't know that. Everybody's bad with money. We don't learn about this. There's no right way. Like, just whatever make, makes you happy. Spend all your money. Live your life. Well, don't, don't do that. Don't do that. That's if it makes you happy. <laughs> Live your life. Um, thank you so much for being here. And please let everyone know where they can find you. Oh, my gosh. Everything at Victoria Paris. We love it. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode of Net Worth and Chill. 
If you like this episode, make sure to leave a rating and a review and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Got a financial question you want answered in the future? You can leave me a voicemail or text me at 908-858-3410. Make sure to follow me at Your Rich BFF across social media for even more relatable financial content. Special thanks to my team at Audioboom as well as Range Media and WME. See you next week. Bye!